Hey folks, if you want to skip past the usual topic talk and get right to the Henry Fonda movie talk, you might want to head to a minute 34, 30 seconds or so. Hope you enjoy. The Finley's on film. All right. Hey, welcome to Finley's on film. Hello, Joseph. How are you? Hey, buddy. What's going on? Ah, life, life, man. And I just want to take this time out. We are one of the most exciting weekends in the American calendar, my friend. I mean, this weekend, this today, this very day, we're going to be celebrating a little bit of football action. So just really quick, who's your prediction for the winner of the Puppy Bowl? You got a particularly um, morning radio voice going on today. Tom. That's what's, right. What's happening there? <laughs> it's, it's Joseph V and the Tuna Weasel. Yeah. No. Um, no. I'm just saying. What are, you, what are your predictions for the Puppy Bowl? You got any predictions? Well, I don't know what you're saying. What, what is a Puppy Bowl? You don't know the Puppy Bowl? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's it's one of those things that goes on I, during the you Super Bowl. Knew basically, that I didn't know it. basically, it's, it's a it's a trap to get women to watch the Super Bowl with their man folk, uh, and mm-hmm. by by putting on like uh, like the, they put puppies. And they dress them up, and they put little uniforms on them, and then they make them like, you know, like, like nose a football around a fake stadium. Uh-huh. And they only do it on Super Bowl. Since we already know we don't give a shit about the actual Super Bowl, I'm just checking in. Do you have any care? There's going to be a red team. There's going to be a blue team. Who do you predict? I don't about? know anything about it. This is the first time I've heard of it. Really? Well, that's fine. I mean, I, I, why would I, I know anything about a puppy bowl? Well, because you're in America, my friend. You don't know much about tell football, me, to be honest. Listen, so this, probably this was. What do you have? Tell me. Tell me what you have about the puppy bowl. I think the puppy bowl is. Uh, it's. I think it's more interesting this year than the Super Bowl is to me. That's what why I'm it? bringing it up. What is it? What do you, who, who do you? I mean, do you have? I like the blue team. Okay. Yeah. No. Just because I like the color blue. Okay. <laughs> That's what you opened with? Yeah, pretty much. Just making, a, <laughs> making a joke at the expense of the fucking Super Bowl. Anyways, <sighs> moving on from that. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Bang, bang. What's going on? Topics. Where do you got? Oh, uh, I don't have a topic, actually. I mean, I have some, but I was thinking about, um, hmm. since you opened with that, I thought I would open. <laughs> that gave me a little license here. I, I got in a big argument with my um, wife two days ago. It was like it was the first big argument of 2019, mm-hmm. and it was um, I wouldn't say zero to sixty, but I would say like <laughs> zero to forty in like a school zone. Okay, one of those, right? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like. Sure, we should be talking about this. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, I, I'll tell you why. Because she um, doesn't listen. There's that, of course, but <laughs> yeah, no problem. We can talk about anything. But it, it was it, it escalated to sort of like um, uh, not screaming at each other, but sort of like, uh, yeah, you're one to talk. No, you are that type of thing, right? Uh-huh. And um, the argument was about um, who had made the original suggestion that in 2019 we are we'd be more positive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Who should get credit for that? Uh, that's absolutely lovely. Yeah, and it lasted about ten minutes, and then we, we just sort of like um, saw how insane. <laughs> that's a pretty insane <laughs> argument. Pretty insane. And by the way, I have to say, I'm, I have to say this. Uh, I'm I'm going to put my money on you as being the the initiator of this concept. Uh, no, I think actually it might have been her. Really, I, I don't even remember. I mean, we were making we we're we're pretty good at at getting together. We follow the um the New Year's resolutions um pattern pretty well. I mm-hmm. think we're better than most people in that we make a lot of them. We make a big deal out of making a list, and then we uh-huh. get to like some of them. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, this year was a year we're going to be a little less negative. Ooh. 
toward that's good. It, that's your charm, both of you toward people and each other. Yeah, no, it is. It's what we do, but it also you know gets us both into trouble sometimes. And also, you know, what's funny is we find ourselves life. in a really ironic position where mm-hmm. because we attract people who are negative, <laughs> and so then all of a sudden Wait a one minute, of us go home? one of us will just be like, oh my god, everyone's so negative, and but we have no license to tell <laughs> anyone except each other. <laughs> So yeah, yeah I mean okay. it's, it was a rough a rough beginning. Um, oh, am I negative or just pessimistic? I would say I'm more of a pessimist. Well, I, than hopeless, negative. I would say, is more of an <laughs> accurate word. Ah, <laughs> oh, Joey. Now, are you uh, my, own, my own blue team puppy over here? Are you negative or that's not that's my wife's car mm-hmm. speeding away? <laughs> no, no coming through the door. <laughs> Fuck you! I'm more positive. <laughs> Um, are you more? What's the distinction again between um, negative and pessimistic? Hmm, I don't know. That's a good one. I don't know. A pessimistic, you just have the negative outlook on life necessarily. You know, one thing I didn't, I, I've noticed about you over the, the last forty years, I, I would say, even since we were kids, is that um, <laughs> you do take on a a pessimistic view about something, mm-hmm. and then sort of act as if that's a rule in life. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna put us on pause for a second, Tommy. All Hold right. on. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, my wife's car wouldn't start, so I had to help her out. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, By yeah. making her push it, you bastard. Yeah, push that car, baby. So, so um, yeah, I mean, you you have... And it doesn't mean that the rules aren't true. I mm-hmm. don't mean to say, like, rules, like, air quotes around it. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But, but you have declarations about human nature that are sometimes absurd and sometimes com- very insightful, mm. but they're almost always driven by a, a pessimistic ex- a view of life. Mm. Um, okay. But that's not, I definitely see myself as one of those people who develops theories about things. Yeah. And they you do t- are they a do theory-driven tend, person. Yeah, like, they do tend towards pessimism. That's a funny sure. thing about uh, you know women. And then uh. there'll be like some sort of fill-in-the-blank that's like, nothing I, Nothing is... Uh, it's more interesting than any stereotype <laughs> I've ever heard, but it's like, I, it's not only not a... I've never even heard that before. Wow. Anyways. Yeah. You have never heard of puppy ball, my friend. You haven't lived, my buddy. Yeah, I don't know anything about, I mean, how <laughs> pervasive is, how, I mean, that's another thing I noticed <laughs> is, um, I mean, it's not a you, I guess, but it's it's sort of like, um, ah, puppy ball. It, uh, but is puppy ball like a, a really well-known thing? Oh, it is thing? really well-known. It's definitely very yeah. well-known. But the thing is, is you don't give a shit about football, so you don't pay attention to football. There's no, you're definitely on the outside on this one. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. It's it's entirely possible. But I get in these things, you know. I, I've I got, been forced to watch this fucking thing. So. By whom? Roommate. Oh, my God. I love her. But Vanessa was just, like, she loved fucking puppy ball. Yeah. So, yeah. Why would you want? I mean, what? What do you? What's I think to I was be gained just, I think I was from not watching feeling that? Well, that day. no, from anyone. Like, what's to be? I'm a little fascinated by this. It's so, it's so uh, irritating. Well, she was one of these people who loves like, uh, like injecting large <laughs> doses of cuteness in her life to make life feel better. Uh-huh. That was her thing. Like, there's one. There are entire channels based on watching puppies and or soft, cuddly, small things do things. Yeah. Like just huge, there's just a large number of channels. You would, would not know those unless. Would you this say was Puppy like a, Bowl is more or less you. well known than like Iron Chef? Probably more, probably more, more known than Iron Chef. Yeah. And do you consider Iron Chef to be a thing most Americans know about? I think it's it's the thing most Americans have heard about, but I don't know about you know I don't know about actually watching it because I, I don't know how popular the Food Network actually is. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, yeah. it depends on which Iron Chef you're talking about, too, my man. Like if you're talking about the good one, the Japanese show, that I don't know very many people who are like our age who know about that because mm. <laughs> that was definitely a '90s phenomenon, '90s early 2000s. Anyways, yep. So, 
Yeah. Well, this all uh, reminds me of um, deeply in a way that I hadn't considered of um, Daniel von Barger. Um, you know, do you, know um, do you remember? You're not really a Seinfeld aficionado. No. Right. No. But but there are those maybe out there. And, and um, Daniel von Barger was um, a guy. He played a character Kroger on on Seinfeld. And Kroger was one of the last bosses that George had. And he was a character developed that um, out-Georged George. Oh, really? George finally met his match. And it's like, <laughs> Kogar cared less about the job than George did. And it really, so it would force George into doing all this work and then uh, catching Kroger, like, like playing hooky from work and getting all upset at him. And, you know, he'd really turn the tables on him. He's this great character and he's such a dead That man. would be an awesome character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why I never got into Seinfeld on, on, on like, just, I, I love it when I watch it. It's just never, it's not like the first thing I turn to for some reason. Yeah. No, I, I get it. But, and it, and it. but now it has like serious cult status. Like there are people, you know, wandering the earth. It's like it's, it's like being a Trekkie in a sense. There are people on the planet who just can say like a phrase, you know, and then if somebody will, but somebody will know when, instantly what the fuck they're talking about. That's a that's a nerd. It was true when it was going on, though. It was. But, it's not just in syndication. I mean, it was, right? But it that was, was definitely a much smaller pool. I don't know about that. I really yeah. don't know. It was hmm. like fun, it was a, a made. I, more people knew about Seinfeld like references back then than even the Puppy Ball. I would say. No way. So, so Daniel Von, so he had this character Kroger, and then okay. Seinfeld went off in 1998, and then in 2012, and there's a recording of this, and I've heard it. Um, Daniel Von Barger had been dealing with um, uh, what the f- diabetes, mm. and he had lost um, a leg mm. to it, Ugh. and he was due that morning to be picked up by his sister um, because they were going to amputate the other toes. Mm. And so he tried to shoot himself mm-hmm. and just kind of botched it and shot like a part of his face off. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and it's a, he's a hilarious character. So on top of it, it's like this great deadpan hilarious character from Seidfeld mm-hmm. who loses a foot, is going to lose some toes, and decides mm-hmm. to shoot himself and, and fucks it up. <laughs> the way those, those two kids who tried to commit suicide with the Judas Priest album in the 80s did. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... So he ended up vegetative, is what happened. No, he no. ended up on the phone to nine one one, which is where the recording comes from. How <laughs> many like? I go from that well. You got it exactly. I met a half a faith, right? And Pope. So he died in two thousand fifteen of Ugh. undisclosed, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> whatever. Which means he must have found the guy. Right? <laughs> Wish fulfillment finally. Well, I mean, little chunks of him are taken off, right? Uh. It's like ah, this is like. But at the same time, it, you know, he does. He doesn't know how to make lemonade out of lemons, I guess, or, or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. right. And then I think about this other guy, Paul Flart. Now, I don't know if you know Paul Flart. I, I know the name. Where well, do I know that name from? There's, there's Paul Blart, I think uh, it is. Which might be where I'm mistaken. I, that, and but. that's the Kevin James, like, awful. Yeah, the mall car. Uh, the mall cop, yeah. Mall cop, yeah. Mall yeah, cop. and I might not even have that, that name right, but it's something Blart or Blart, something. Yeah, it is. Paul Blart. Okay, so um, Paul Flart. Um, it's, 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 it sounds like Paul Blart needed to fart. <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm 12. No, that's it. Exactly. He is a security guard, and he he was a, a pretty rotund guy. He looked a little like Kevin James. Looks a little like Kevin James. Okay. And he had this security job, and it's just like sitting, you know, in uniform at a place that mm-hmm. um, you sometimes you pass these guys, and you're like, "What are you guarding? You're just like, <laughs> like a desk in the middle of nowhere." You're guarding the donuts. He's yeah. hiding in there. So he's sitting there, and he would make an Instagram um, post each day. Of a unique fart, like a, or like a different one, and and it was like, yeah, he had a few followers, you know, just passing uh, his time away. Uh, now he's now he's filling comedy clubs or some shit. Well, what happened was <laughs> he got fired. 
Okay. And and everyone's like, what? And now he has 100,000 followers. And he's monetized. He's probably making five, six times what he made as a security guard. <laughs> right. So can, now that's the opposite. <laughs> but it made me think about... God damn it. It made me think about all these options we have, right? right. Like you're talking about pessimism or optimism, and it's like, then about suicide. Right. And about, you know, I don't know how you feel about suicide. How do I feel about suicide? Yeah. I'm pro-suicide, absolutely. I'm definitely pro-suicide. Pro is like, like well, see, that's kind of how I think I am too, but I, I, I think it's um, not very... Uh, thoughtful or engaging to either be pro or anti, right? Like, uh -huh. like um, I it was really surprised. There's this writer I know, Jennifer Michael Hecht, and she's a really, really interesting writer. But, but she she wrote this um, nonfiction piece called Stay a few years ago, and it, it's a sort of um, a research. And ultimately, the argument is to not commit suicide. It's anti-suicide, which kind of surprised mm -hmm. me, given you know all the other things that she'd written. And it's it's cited all the time whenever there's like you know a famous celebrity commits suicide, her book right. comes up. You know, on like Fox and Friends or whatever it is, right? That's mm -hmm. a bad example, but, mm -hmm. but um, um, you know, and, and she makes a pretty sort of interesting plea against suicide. And I started to think about it. And it's like I'm kind of pro suicide too. Like right. I'm for your right to commit suicide. Yeah. But there are all these sort of factors that come into play. Like, um, we don't have a culture that has any access. Like I've had to drop people I know mm -hmm. or, or go with them in different cities to like the free psychological services in different cities. Uh -huh. And it's a fucking nightmare in this country. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just like, wait eight hours. It's depressing. Nah. Nobody's helping you out. The help you get is a slip of paper to sort of like, and 10 questions. Right. It's a joke. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the idea that you have the right to do with what you want with your body, including ending it, I'm totally for. But right. that's just sort of an, an oversimplification and of maybe, it. Maybe we just aren't providing the other services necessary to me. Well, maybe. Well, that's, that's entirely possible. That's part of it. And even before and you get to that point. I would point. say that's part of it, but maybe not part of all of them, you know? Yeah, maybe not. I mean, I mean, I think the most obvious one is like you're going to die a painful death should you be, have a way out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm sort of insulted by that idea too, which is the other end of it. Like, oh, if we decide that you've really got it together enough and you have a good enough reason, we'll help have like a doctor help you. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest. This still sucks for everybody behind you. For yeah. Everyone, yeah. For all your loved ones and all like that. I, honestly, I, as far as like the suicide solution goes, from, to, to my way of thinking is you got to – you gotta like wait till everyone's, you know, everyone else is dead or something like that. That just seems like the only sort of polite way to go around. Well, you it. most people have kids and they're not going to, right? There's gonna that kids is the thing, right? Yeah, that that yeah. you leave behind, and it's it's um, yeah. you know, or unless unless you have like um, you know, like uh, Doug Stanhope, that type of sort of you know, you you have a right. an open just mentality, like a, right, and, just a philosophy based on that, right? And so you'd be you'd have conversations with your parents about right. it and all that kind of thing. I don't know. I just, and somebody like he would get away with it just based on you know again with his mom, but but the sheer yeah. consistency of his philosophical approach to that same, uh, well, question, and which was right? obviously hers as well. Right? right, like they right, shared right. this this sort of thing, and would be the okay. So let's talk. Let's talk about this. I was just yeah. I was just listening to uh, Bill Burr on YouTube. I had never seen this yeah. before. This the uh, helicopter mm -mm. story. Yeah. So a guy who uh, I mean I know that he he flies a helicopter. Yeah, right? well he's talking about this other guy who uh, like inherited like a, like a tent like a tour service like a helicopter tour service yeah. of Los Angeles, uh, and like on day five of inherited this from his dad. Some guy rented it, went up on the thing, and then just halfway through the tour, just boom, just jumped out. This guy had a terrible, horrible disease that he was going to be painful for. It was going to be like a painful way out. And apparently, just like a fucking Viking, he just jumped out of the What's, fucking helicopter. He was the passenger? 
Yeah, the passenger. Yeah. So I just said uh, there. Okay. So let's just like what 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 would be a way to go out that is interesting to you? Well, I don't know about interesting because f- there's all kinds of things. Like, I don't know. What? I've known I've known like truck drivers who've hit people who committed suicide by jumping out of the road. Right. That's a that's a fucking nightmare. That situation. You know, all these things you have to consider other people. So you know, all these ways that you affect yeah. other people who you don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that there's any. And I don't. I'm. I'm sort of done with the idea that there's any sort of romantic or pleasant way to do it either. I think yeah, yeah, every yeah. way is probably a nightmare. Right. And and it also, dead body. I'm also <laughs> every single way. More and more convinced that people change their mind at the last minute. Right. You know, even though I support it, but like most people who jump and survive will say that's the very first thought they had. It's like, what the fuck did I just do? Right. 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 Um. And, and oh, I've seen the bridge. I, yeah, the bridge is a great Ugh. documented example of it. And and I I I have to think that you know. Um, Anthony Bourdain, for instance, like, mm. yeah, of course you have every right to, but it's like, you know, you had all this temporary shit going on in your life. And I, I've been at places in my life where situations have made me sort of feel that way. And I get it. And I, I know it's horribly corny to say, but it's like, you know what, you know, a year and a half later, that asshole you were with, everyone thinks she's an asshole right, and it's right. all out anyway. Yeah. All the sort of cover-ups, it's who cares? Well, you know, I think I think the final motive, I think the final click in anybody who's going to commit suicide yep. uh, has got to be the, the notion of permanence. Like, that's got to be what does it. Because if you can maintain the fact in your head that things change, right? Then, yep. then, then of course, then that, like, puts suicide on the back. I don't even like, think automatically it's... it almost does that. You know, if you, if you're capable of like dealing with the notion that life is not going to be this, you know, six months from now yeah. at all, then then that, that then that takes away a lot of the edge. But but I think it's when you come to the conclusion that it's never going to change that that makes suicide seem more positive to people. Yeah, but I I think also like I don't even think it's that clear. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that that someone who commits suicide necessarily thinks um, this, is this is great podcasting, by the way. We're just fucking talking you know, about it. Go yeah. back to puppy puppy bowl. Puppy like. bowl. No, no. Um, I, I think that somebody who who um, is thinking about suicide is probably also not convinced that it'll be that as clear. Like, oh, this will be this way forever. It's not even that clear. Mm-hmm. It's a, which makes a sort of a, that's another kind of case against it in a way because it's a lack of clarity. Well, maybe, but but I but I would suspect those people do have that the, the, at least the sense, if not in a, in a logical way, that there's the, the, no changes on its way in that sense. I don't know. I, I would suspect that they, you you'd almost need that in my to my way of thinking. You would, you know, like um um I, you know, like uh, theoretically, I support the idea of like prostitution, right? So like Whoa. like somebody because I think that the thing that drives people to support it is the idea. Right. That there are people, typically women out there, who are like of their own volition, and mm-hmm. you know they have a choice with their body, and it's like yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. But the rubber tr- meets the road. The suddenly. truth of the matter is, yeah. it's not ninety-five plus percent of the situations aren't like this freedom of choice of body to make living any way you want. It's really not the sort of libertarian heaven. It's actually mm-hmm. this really shitty. And I, I suspect that the the percentage of people who like make a, a good, informed, wise decision about suicide. It, it happens, definitely. But yep. my suspicion is it's the same sort of percentage. It's this low percentage of people who've had like who've had help, who have insight. Right. I don't know. I'm for the first time in my life. It's sort of you know, it, it's one of those easy kind of libertarian things to say, but it, it, you know, mm-hmm. ah, but it, it, the first time in my life I'm starting to think like, ah, just ah. Not for it. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not for it. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not. Now I got my. I think uh, I'm not. Yeah. Don't I, do it, Tom. I would do it the polite way. I think. I think. I think I would be the. You polite. are the, the football helmet with the uh, with the shotgun. I think that's the way to go. 
That's another thing I noticed uh, that I've heard uh, big stories about is the cleanup. Well, yeah, of course. It's incredibly detailed. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in a train, like the, the fucking cleanup they have to do underneath oh. the train is crazy. <laughs> I've heard God. stories about people who I, do that for a living. Uh, I, what, what, throw themselves under a fucking train? God damn. I have, like, I have cursed those people on occasion when they fucked up my transit situation like that on trains or and or BART back up in the Bay Area. Just, oh, you pricks. It's a four-hour fucking delay. Hey, what are you talking about with uh, is how is S&M how is S&M blackout going? Oh, social media. Your social media blackout. Paul, <laughs> I wanted to check S- it in. S- S&M. Yeah. And then blackout. I know. That, that would be asking the impossible for you to take a blackout on the S&M, Jeff. No way. Well, there'd be like an uh, S&M uh, blackout via S&M, too. <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck you meant by that. Well, there Tom we wrote this piece of, something on a piece of paper. He wanted to, before he forgot, he wanted to get to how is S&M blackout Yeah, going. I want to know how much working for you there. Dan. That's yeah. great. I love social media blackout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it at all. You don't. Like, I don't like social media. I'm done with it. Forever? No, no, no. I'll be back. Yeah, but of course. For right now, it's feeling <laughs> great because I get these little reports on my phone, and it, it's changed now. It, mm-hmm. it makes me feel so productive. Uh huh. Because I'm reading. Nice. It's, oh, it's so good. And now you're being stalked by Facebook. Yeah, Facebook will send me a text once in a while. Did you forget from, about it? Yeah, basically. Come on, Daddy. We yeah. love you. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Who, what are you talking about? The and then here's another one. Parkland Parkland shooter comic. Oh yeah. Tom wrote down a couple of things for me, and I'm, I'm you haven't seen. I'm surprised because you, well, you're, you've taken your social media blackout. Okay, yeah, I'm not getting your, the fake news anymore, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> From your round planet, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this guy, fucking uh, one, round planet. I just got that. <laughs> go ahead, go. Ahead. This fucking uh, this 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 um, Parkland shooter. This guy, a dad of one of the kids who was murdered in the Parkland yep. shooting, mm-hmm. uh, decided to uh, answer back to Louis C.K. by writing. Uh, writing a set and going up and doing stand-up comedy mm-hmm. about it. The, the the idea was to sort of take back ownership of it. So I, I this, this is not nearly as effective if you haven't seen this. So well, I you know I was listening. Uh, the wife and I were driving around um, right after the whole Louis C.K. Um, governor's Long Island set got leaked, mm-hmm. and um, like Robert Siegel or someone I like, you know, one of those droll voices from NPR. Was weighing in another voice that is about like this was punching down, yeah. ultimately not funny. But what would have been funny, and he started to do like a list of things, and it was like what would have been funny oh, is jokes about the NRA's overreach, and, and mm. it was Michelle and I looked at each other. Well, that's not funny. You're not funny <laughs> at all, sir. You don't know what funny is. Well, that was kind of the bummer about this thing because it was like okay, so okay, where am I coming from on this? Here's I the thing. Know. I get it. Like I get where this dad's coming from, mm-hmm. but I been in like rooms like the thing about comedy is is you have to be you have to feel free to talk about a topic no matter what it is mm-hmm. i'm sorry that just is the nature of it Why i've had i've seen comics you know, comics go up and they'll talk about cancer because they have an interesting point of view on it that they, they got a joke about it maybe they have something they have intimate and mm-hmm. i remember once at this one show uh this this uh, one of the audience members had just had lo- recently lost a child to cancer or something like that and this one comic did a joke about cancer mm-hmm. and the woman is like she should be pulled off stage she's telling that to me i'm the fucking host of the show i'm not yeah. even i'm not in any part of the management of this fucking place yeah. but she's telling me the host of the show that this, this woman needs to be pulled off stage because that i'm like yeah oh, fuck i'm sorry if you go to a comedy show you're gonna have you you can have your feelings hurt so so i get her sensitivity i get this guy's sensitivity mm-hmm. it's just not appropriate i think it's, it's to me it's just not appropriate to the space if you're going to the space you're taking a risk every fucking time you go to a comedy show that you're going to hear something that maybe is going to hurt your your feelings and I'm not going to go like hurt your little feelings. 
kind of want to, but I'm not, but, but no. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, you're going to, you're going to hear things that hurt your feelings. Cause that's sort of the nature of what stand up comedy can sh- and should do. I think when it's at its best, that being the case, this guy's comedy really wasn't good. He was an open micer. That's the other, that's the re- one part of it. And I saw the video. I didn't get very far. I didn't get very far into it because he was just, he was very obviously an open micer yeah. trying to, trying to, but of course he got immediately got like, he immediately got huge amounts of applause and people were like, well, I want you you know, do it for six months and I'll take you on the road with me. Like, oh, motherfucker, he's going to have a better career than I'll ever have. Yeah, I feel like we've sort of covered this already, but I agree with you. I, I definitely agree with the the sentiment here. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it gets, you know, um, also the, the facts, the, all the facts get twisted in, in these cases about what you should do with it. Christina, yeah. Christina Pazinski, Pazinski, I think it is, who I like a lot. <laughs> I think she's very funny. Right. Christina P. I yeah. um, Tom Segura's old lady. Let's just know where she's fucking. At. She's really fucking funny, man. Yeah, she's she's hysterical. I really like her. I um, nothing she said really pissed me off, but mm-hmm. but I, I I was listening to something from um, this had to be about five or six months ago. Mm-hmm. This is when Louis was coming back to the comedy cellar for a couple of drop-in sets, and and she was pretty annoyed with them for doing it. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's approaching it in, in a more fair sort of manner, right? And it mm-hmm. was like. Um, yeah, she strikes me as being one of those people who can who who can work with who can work with us. Which is why what she she it was extra annoying because I find her that way. But she was saying like you know the thing is I think it's it's um it it'd be good for him to like take one year. It's been like nine months. Like give give us one year just to sort of show. And it's like yeah. I don't really agree, but it's like eh, okay I could you know okay. I could sort of see where she's coming from. Like arbitrarily a year might be the sort of right. you know and 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 um and and by and by the way she was saying at the time. Like you know, don't come back with jokes about like observational humor. Get tell, talk about it, right? And it's like, well, well he, he, he eventually did, did you <laughs> he know. Did and it's like, okay, sure. well, so that you know that yeah. that ended up coming true. And it's sort of like, I I don't begrudge her that, you know, she shouldn't be dictating. But I can get her wish on that, right? Um, but she was saying like, um, you know, and the thing is, um, you know, you yourself, you know, here we have a guy who's admitted. To pulling his dick out, um, women who um, without their permission, and and she started going on, and I was like, wait, he didn't admit that. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just like factually not true. Mm-hmm. But what happens is you get people get so invested in this conversation on both sides, including Louis C.K. supporters of which I'm one. Yeah. That it's sort of like you just start peppering in the facts as you wish them to be. Uh. So it's sort of like if your premise is, hey, Louis, you're doing this stuff without women's permission. That hasn't been established. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, you're so willing to say that, Christina Pruszynski, who's a great comic I admire, that that in order to make your argument, you're saying you've admitted it. And since you've admitted it, he hasn't admitted it. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at that article, he never said, I did anything without anyone's permission. And as far as I know, he didn't do anything right. without anyone's permission. So, so I don't really understand the whole thing. But eh, I'm, I'm getting sick of Louis C.K. That guy's got enough <laughs> fucking play anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is going to add two more uh, fans to his. Yeah, to whatever. He's already humongous list. There's a I, we saw this documentary on um, on uh, Netflix, mm-hmm. and it, it's um, such a popular issue all of a sudden that there are competing um, documentaries on Netflix and Hulu, <laughs> and it's on it's called Fire F Y R E. Uh huh. Um, it's about the Fire Festival of last year, and uh, it is okay. That sounds like Puppy Bowl to me. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, I, no, I'm not claiming many people know about this, and mm-hmm. in fact, there's there's a good reason a lot of people wouldn't. Know and by the about way, it. I have seen this on Netflix. I just didn't look into right, it. Right. Yeah. But most people have sort of seen it in your queue. They're promoting yeah. it heavily right now. So, so f- the Fire Festival was a festival. This guy named Billy um, Billy McFarland, who who um, Billy McFarland's sort of like one of these. Sounds du- like your friend who has cocaine. 
Um, Billy McFarland. Okay, Billy McFarland is a guy um, who, who's sort of like an investment guru. <laughs> God. Okay. But but you never. It's sort of like worse than you'd think. He embodies everything that mm. y- you look like a douche for saying about millennials, except that he really makes it true. Right. And it's sort of like his first thing was he invented a credit card. I don't even follow this idea really, but he invented a credit card that looked cooler <laughs> for millennials, <laughs> and it was black. But then the idea behind it was... Oh, uh, man, could, hold on. That just says everything you need to know about the United States right now. But once you could get investors Fuck. on it, it could sort of like save you money for things. But it was always things that were super indulgent, mm-hmm. right? So, so, um, and it was, he was one of these guys like he has, he, he, you know, Damn. he doesn't have the product yet, but he has to have the Lamborghini to sort of get people on board oh, with right, the vision. Right. Tom he's Cruise. a Tom Cruise from Rain Man. He's here. a vision. I would say more like Liam Neeson from Schindler's List, which, you know, oh. sort of like the panache guy. Like, I don't, I don't know how to make these things, but I'm, I'm the panache. So you are not afraid to go to Nazi movies for your references, baby. Well, that was part of the, but fair enough. The, the, uh, I get what you're Schindler's whole thing, right? It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, I sell it. Right. right, dress for the job you want. Well, so, so there's a lame way to say it, I guess. So, so, um, so he got Ja. Remember Ja Rule, the rapper? He got Ja Rule, the rapper, in on this credit card thing, and it was mm-hmm. sort of like it didn't exactly bomb, but it didn't like work out either. No one knew what it was really. Right. So he just sort of shifted to this thing, and it was this idea that like to get uh, to 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 book people was a hassle, and he mm-hmm. wanted to make like the Uber of booking. <laughs> like booking artists, right? right okay. And so the way, so he'd have this sort of like talent system, like anyone potentially could use it. And mm-hmm. it was like, here, we'll connect you with people so that you know how to book them for things. Right. And the way that he would do it is he would have this fire festival on an island and he bought Pablo Escobar's old island <laughs> In the in in Bermuda, the Bermuda area, it's actually made out of coke. or the bo- Bohem, what is it, Bohem, Bahamas? Bahamas? Yeah, the Bahamas, the Bahamas, the Bahamians, the Bahamians, <laughs> Um Oh boy! And he was gonna throw this festival, but it was like for six thousand, like quote unquote kids. But it was like the minimum was like twenty thousand dollars, and like some for some it was like two hundred. The ultimate party, fifty thousand dollars. Wait a minute, and you're saying your sister didn't hear about this and get involved? And it was... Um, she is a party thrower. It was like, yeah. It was like influencers, which is like... The the, 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 the the name irritates me. Although when I think about it, it's just like a spokesperson, like Joe Namath or something. Influencers. But, but now it's like the influencers. So it's like Kylie Jenner. And like, they, they all went down there. Mm-hmm. And and they, you know, they're promoting on their own Instagram accounts because they have millions of followers. Like, come to the Fire Festival. Mm. And so, so these guys were like... These people who know about rock promotion, like the newer Bill, Bill Grams, were like, it takes about a year to do this. And he gave himself six weeks oh, okay. after buying this island to oh like my. invite everyone to uh-huh. this like ultimate like luxury like tent experience. Or you can stay on this yacht off and there'll be like models there and like all these bands and like Blink-182 is in the mix somehow. And it, it was getting so fucking. But anyway, the whole thing is this documentary is about like Fiona Apple is about how no no, but it's like legitimate right. stars and then Blink One Eighty Two. Okay, okay, but but it's sort of like the whole documentary is about how it was just built on nothing. But but he really like he believed it. Mm-hmm. He believed he could do it because he's just a brat who right. can make anything happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just like there's people are telling him that he's like no way. <laughs> and at one point like like there's like se- seven days of the festival, the stage isn't even built yet. Right, and and. They, they don't even have clearance to build all the stuff for the 6,000 people who already bought tickets the first week he announced oh, it. No. He sold like 95% of it and had nothing there. Oh, shit. Right? And like even hadn't wow. even paid the artists yet or built the stage. And he, he's trying to get water, like potable water in uh-huh. there to this place. And it's not going through. 
customs. And at one point, he's got this guy he's been working with for years, and it's this sort of old queen who's, who's like a, a big deal. And the and like, he convinces this queen, and the, guy, the the old queen's on the camera. He's going like, okay, he convinced me. I was gonna have to go down and blow. The, fucking, the customs guy and I was willing to do it I, I was on my way that's how desperate we were I was custom gonna, guy was cute I was gonna <laughs> fucking least. swallow this guy's load to get uh. the fucking potable water going like and it was just a fucking disaster and 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 the, I mean the more tragic parts are like oh, yeah all my. these the part of me is like you know what if you're spending fifty thousand dollars on your fucking Coachella in the sea fucking weekend, go fuck yourself. I'm uh, glad you lost your yeah, money, you know, right, of course, you of fucking course. douchey little millennial. Right. But there's another part of me that's like, hey, the fucking local Bahamians, like, never got paid like a quarter million. Like it was like yeah. Trump esque, like not paying people. Right. Uh, women who like some woman owned a restaurant, she lost all her like life savings that she had put aside because she had to pay all her employees who'd worked overtime for right. two weeks. All this sort of stuff. And it's like, and so the whole thing is. It's a fucking tsunami of shit. Well, he's just a fucking piece of shit, this guy. And I think yeah. Ja Rule is too. But my, the whole thing ends, the last sort of act of this documentary is he, he's, he's awaiting trial mm-hmm. to maybe go to jail for like six years for, for fraud, for wire fraud, and all uh, these other fucking things, right? And while he's out on jail, He's developing another fucking scam business. Wow. And he uses the mailing list from the fire concert attendees mm-hmm. as his new sort of group of investors. They're getting like like and they some of the like attendees who were supposed to attend and got mm-hmm. ripped off for the event are like caught like trace it down. And it's like, wait, this is that Billy motherfucker again. Right. And wow. here's the millennial th- I, I this is going to end with me talking shit about millennials, but here's the, he he's recording the whole thing because he can't stop recording himself. Even he's on so he's also providing evidence for the new crime he's committing. <laughs> and Ja Rule also is is on, in on the new thing, and it's sort of like you know this is the thing. There's no doubt that millennials mm-hmm. are much better than we are in many 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 many, many areas. Fucking, oh my god, yes. But also, my god, what pieces of shit they are! <laughs> wow. Well, what but you know, entitled but, little cunts? I, I, you know, okay. So, 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 but isn't that maybe like sort of the coming wave? You know what I'm saying? We're talking like millionaires basing it on, on bullshit, right? You remember uh, Welcome to the Gift, uh, Exit through the Gift Shop? Did yep. you see that? Yeah, yeah. Like it. that whole fucking thing about well, you know, Mister. Uh, well, I can't remember Terry. The, yeah, yeah. The, the guy it's all about, who in the end just creates this wave of bullshit art explosions, supposedly. But I'm it's like it was like almost network. It was like a predictive thing of of some of a lot of the shit that's going on. Okay, right but now. that guy, I think that guy believed in what he was doing, oh. and he did provide something. Right. The thing is, this is what I'm talking about. It's that is that there's a whole generation for all the good things that they do. Yeah. Are have zero concern about content. Yeah. About about actually having something other than an attitude. Attitude trumps mm. content yeah, entirely, and it's just like that. holy shit. Have something behind what you're doing right. once in a while. Right, right. Fuck. Anyway, that's enough for old man talk. Let's talk about some yeah. movies. <laughs> Welcome to the Finley's back porch. Everybody. Let's talk about current things. Turn, Henry Fonda. Turn butter and have, <laughs> turn butter and have an opinion. That's yeah. What we do. Eh, what are you gonna do? Fuck. Henry Fonda, man. All right, let's move on. Yeah, we're moving on to Henry Fonda, Sir Harry of Fonda. We the talked man about who his, gave us Clute. Talked about his disappointment of a dot. All right, yeah, I was oh, gonna say. Just, oh, just dropped it. Drop traitor that, to this country. Drop that traitor out of his ball bag. Henry Fonda uh, is, um, God, what a f- iconic. Okay, start there. I'm just gonna say he's like he's an iconic old 
Like he's just yeah, he's an iconic old classic Hollywood person, you know, an actor. Yeah, well, he comes from that time. Like he's some of the early sound people. I mean, most people associate him with like the late '30s. So it's like Young Mr. Lincoln, yeah. and then we've done Grapes of Wrath, like '40 or '41. But but it, you know, he was like roommates with Jimmy Stewart in like the early '30s, and he dated like Lucille Ball at one point. Yeah, and this yeah. is all like you know prior to becoming famous, right? right. They mm-hmm. were all part of that that scene. And he was also part of that scene, that Hollywood scene, that character scene, basically. You know, there. Like Hollywood had like these characters that were just they were going to be heroes in movies, they were going to be stars, and they were going to be you know decent, yeah. various shades of it. And he was definitely one of the top. Do you mean decent as a as a as a person or always as a character? The character that they played always would have because yeah would 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 exude a certain decency. So Henry Fonda was definitely mm-hmm. that Cary uh, not Cary Cary Grant no um, what's his name Atticus Finch mm-hmm. uh, Gregory Peck is yeah. another one of those guys. You know they just came across as the decent sort of. Good, good American male thing. Here, I'm gonna go, go you one further. I think that, that was his specialty, mostly. I would think that I'm gonna add to that 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 Henry Fonda. One of the qualities of Henry Fonda is that he always came aco- across as super, super self reflective. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. on the odd occasion when he the character was angry, mm-hmm. you took it seriously. Like I've known people like this. I, yeah. My older brother Danny is like this. Like Paul. Paul Gilmartin would be another one of these guys. Paul Gilmartin? Say, say words that Paul you know, Gilmore. Tom. Paul Gilmore. Sorry. Paul Gilmore. Yeah, I think he has that quality as well. I don't know. I've never seen him pissed off. Well, but I'm saying if you did, you'd like fucking sit up, right? Okay, just take a seat. I have a real example here. So so oh, Jesus my, my brother Danny's this real, one. Man. Well, you just, they're like, well, in what way? Well, the guy, he doesn't do the one thing. Well, wow, okay. Anyways, go on. Okay. Just try not to interrupt. Just listen for a second here. My brother, I'll do that. Uh, Dan- I will not interrupt you at all. My brother Danny is not this a- way. You motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> content, Don. We're just talking about content. Mm-hmm. My brother Danny is this way. Like He he is very, very thoughtful mm-hmm. about, and he thinks about things a long time, mm-hmm. and so you're really surprised when he's pissed off about something. The mm-hmm. couple of times he's been pissed off about something, it really surprises you, and you take it seriously, and I think Henry Fonda has this quality. He mm-hmm. can actually sort of be like explosive, right, or maybe even mean, or pissed off, or like something like that, but mm-hmm. it's in the context of this, this person who's always um, not quite brooding, because I would give that to James Dean. But there's a little bit of a brood to him. Yeah, you're right. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a slow burn he's kind a, of a character. Yeah, I yeah. agree. That's okay. a good, that's a good uh, description of him. A slow oh, God, That must have hurt you physically. Burn. <laughs> Burned, baby. Yeah. Disco Inferno. So anyways, we're talking about a couple of nice uh, Henry Fonda movies today. Uh, which we, the, the idea this week was to go back to some classic, classic cinema. Because there are some other Henry Fonda movies that I could talk about at length. But we're going back to like some really sort of classic examples of this guy at his best. What are the ones that you... Um... Oh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Like mm-hmm. his inclusion in that as a villain, you know, playing so severely against type, is just was kind of breathtaking. Okay. I love that movie too. Uh, keep going. Um, so that yeah, I mean that's that, that's kind of the best example I can think of. Twelve Angry Men. Twelve Angry Men is that's one. Another yeah. example. You know what I mean? And he he's, does that in Twelve a, Angry Men, right? Because it, it's like he's super self-reflective. He's not yeah. explosive. When he's pissed off, you're like, oh, this is a righteous yeah. moment he's well, having, right? Maybe righteous is a good way to describe him too. Righteousness is definitely his thing. Yeah. Well, grapes of wrath for fuck's sake. Well, that's the thing too, right? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who's killed somebody. He's done. He and and in the end, he has that sort of capacity to maybe kill somebody again, right? right or right. be killed, but. But it's like throughout, you know, yeah, you believe pro- him that he's, he's protecting the- a poor family, doing it. You know, you know he's going to yes. do it for the right reasons. Yes, and yes. guess what? There are right reasons, and that's where that's where he comes into play. Yeah, for sure. Fuck. Okay, God yeah. damn it, he's great, and he's done some great fucking movies. Yep. 
Tremendous flex. Tremendous. Tremendous the best flex movie ever. Yeah. So, all right. So, so what's interesting is the the and you chose both of these, and I think they were really good choices. But the first one is, I think, forty six, right? With my darling Clementine. My darling Clementine. This is a John Ford classic. It's definitely yeah. It's definitely they're both John Ford. They're, come to think of it, they are both yeah, sort of. But and you can see, you can taste it. There's first off, Ward Bond is in both of these fucking movies. Yep. And John Ford had a huge boner for Ward Bond, when, and I don't blame him. He's a, he's a great actor. He great plays a very particular actor. character. Yeah, really, really well, and, and and adds moments of light comedy. That's his that's his purpose. But it's interesting because it's like how many different versions or variations have we seen of like um, a Doc Holiday or a Wyatt Earp or one or the other or the OK Corral? I yeah. mean, you know, we've talked about some of them. Um, before and yet, this is a, a, again a slightly different variation of that, right? right because yeah. you have Wyatt Earp, yeah, you, you, played by played by Henry Fonda, Henry Fonda, right? Doc Holliday is played by Victor Mature. Yeah, I think is, I think it's a great choice. Really, I, I hate Victor Mature. I hate his acting with a passion. I well, don't like him as an actor. The only one I have liked him so far is in that Peter Sellers after movie. the Fox. Yeah, yeah, after the Fox, that's, that's the, the only thing only I know him in actually. Yeah. Oh no. I, yeah. We'll, 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 well get to, when we get to Widmark, we'll pull that movie out. Well, I'm coming. T- t- uh, Touch of Evil. No, not Touch of Evil. So. Anyways, go on. You're a marvel, my friend. So, yes, so Victor Mature. I'm going out of mass backwards here because I know him from After the Fox, where he's you know Dean Martin esque and kind of making fun of his own right. sort he's of meta, meta commentary and, on him. Yeah. So I I liked him from the beginning, right. from there, right? Mm-hmm. And so like I it, like Dean Martin. I would say in um, a couple of films, like let's say The Young Lions, where it's like I'm waiting, I'm waiting for like ba 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 boom baby, <laughs> and it never comes. I kind of it gives me this extra respect for this guy who's really? actually mm-hmm. you know. I mean, obviously, you're not a fan, but but at least he is muddling. He's doing it, taking it seriously. Oh, he's very serious. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about that. A little too serious. And I got to say, this is one of those movies where, like, like I know a little bit of the history on the OK Corral. This is the movie that takes the most liberties with the OK, okay Corral mythology. Take well, serious liberties. It's a little hard for me to like. Eh, I, I would feel a little bit better if if it if they had taken a more serious approach to Doc Holliday, who's one of the more interesting characters in the thing. And and, it, and I just don't like Victor Mature. So I'd never seen this movie before. No, I know no, this I. movie from Mash. I know this movie That's because Colonel it was Potter's Colonel Potter's favorite, favorite movie. movie. Yeah, yeah that's sure. Exactly why I thought that's of this how movie. I knew. That's, yeah, that's how I knew it. Too. All I know about this movie. And now I have to say, I don't think Colonel Potter has the greatest taste in movies. Well, but, Sherm, you know. Yeah. But okay. So, but what horse, is great horse about? What is really great about this movie is fucking Henry Fonda. Okay, well, I mean, he acts his balls off. He is a good. He's a good Henry Fonda character. Well, because Henry Fonda can act without saying much. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, he, he with a, a faraway look. He mm-hmm. has a good faraway look. That Henry Fonda, yeah, and he's a, a little, he's a little bemused by people. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like mm-hmm. he knows he's so good. He doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to come back at Doc at the Doc Holliday's character by threatening. He knows he doesn't have to do that. I feel that way about and the we'll, second and one. Will not. Well, I'm always interested when I see a bad actor in the face of Henry Fonda because I'm I'm more curious about what was happening during the filming <laughs> when Henry Fonda had to deal with someone who was not his equal. Uh, well, okay, but okay. I mean, what's interesting too is like the the sort of framing of this film is like um, uh, Walter Brennan, Walter Brennan, who Walter, had like, younger Walter Brennan. Oh, he had like pulled off a menace. He had like th- at least two different incarnations, right? Maybe three. Mm-hmm. So, like the early Walter Brennan was um, cynical. So yeah. he was in like Meet John Doe with Gary Cooper, and he's always like the cynical bum, right, mm-hmm. or something like that. And in this way, he's more than cynical. Cynical. He's menacing. Yes, I agree. So yeah, this yeah, is the menacing one. 
Then there's a sort of like the one you get from like Rio Bravo, Rio Bravo. Like, which is like, you know, gimpy. <laughs> and maybe that's it. He sort of carried it into the real McCoys with Richard Crenna, that TV show in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's sort of like, yeah, this is the first half, the, the possible dark side so, of Walter Brennan. Give me, a, give me a second here on Walter Brennan because uh, my dog, my mom had an unholy dog. <laughs> my mom, sorry, had an unholy love for Walter Brennan. Mm-hmm. We, had a, we had an eight track tape of Walter Brennan's greatest hits. And it was a comedy singer. Yeah, well, yeah, with that voice. I mean, he was mm. like some kind of a folk singer on the Burl wow. Ives, like on the Burl Ives level or something like yeah, that. Yeah. He did like songs about old dogs and shit. Yeah. So we had that A track. So welcome. Yeah. I don't know what else to say except it was great. Like it was great to see Walter. Well, Burl Ives had that same quality too. Like this, like the super nice guy can pull off the guy uh, pull yeah. off a really menacing character. In a big country. A, yeah. Big country. Yeah. Desiring of the Elms, but but Walter Brennan pulled off like a, he was pretty. Menacing. I was surprised by that. Well, okay. Th- now, th- here's the thing. I think only by virtue of what I saw of my darling Clementine on that episode of MASH, <laughs> I expected to see a lot of Walter a Brennan. A horse named Sophie, at least. God damn it. A lot of Walter Brennan here and a lot of Menace. Uh-huh. And there wasn't much. He, no? He, he only is a they framer. sparingly, yeah. He comes in at the beginning to sort of create the situation, mm-hmm. and he comes at the end to sort of get us into the OK Corral. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Yeah, pretty much. The rest of it is exploring a love triangle with, uh, with um, Victor Mature's character and Henry Fonda, you know, Wyatt Earp. Uh, love triangle. Clementine, but but it's not. Victor a Mature has something going with her. He has nothing anymore. That's the whole point. Well, he's trying to send her. Yeah, he's trying to send her away. Which is, it's it not a triangle. Complications. Yeah, I just wanted. I, I would just clarify that it's not a triangle, right? Oh. It's actually just sort of like Victor Mature's um, former girlfriend, uh, Henry Fonda, is interested in her. It's a, it's at least a dexahedron. So <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Ding, ding. So, um, all right. So basically, uh, Wyatt Earp, um, having come west from Omaha area or something, yeah, it finds himself in Arizona. He's driving t- cattle through Arizona. Yeah, Mexican cattle. Right. Okay. And um, uh, Brandon's got a, a drooling mouth for those cattle. Mm-hmm. And he's all about the cattle wrestling because he's, you know. He's a cattle wrestler. Yeah, that's what he does. And he kills. He's the Clanton, these are the, the Clanton. Uh, the, yeah, the Ike Clanton, that's his name. So he kills He kills uh, the younger brother. Right. They all drive into town. They, uh, all of them drive into town except the younger brother who stays behind to watch the cattle. Yeah. And while they're gone, somebody comes in, shoots the kid, steals all the cattle. Boom. Yeah. And that's by the way, uh, one of the brothers is Tim Holt. Uh, uh, you recall uh, Humphrey Bogart's partner in um, Treasure of Sierra Madre. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good actor. Get off, really? That Tim Somehow Holt. I didn't, oh, mm, I didn't, I didn't make the Tim connection Holt-y. on that. Okay, but anyway, so while they're in, so they get back, fine, boom, he's dead. Uh, boom, he's gone. dead. Like, boom, <laughs> hey, boom, you're dead. It's like, hey, hey, what are you going to do? Right? What are you, you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go back to the town and become the, the, become the federal marshal uh, yeah. of the area. Hey, so that the you can ball? investigate this thing. Okay, so they go into um, Tombstone. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, Henry Fonda shows his ability to to quiet an, an engine who's been drinking. Right. One of my favorite racist lines: <laughs> "Who let this engine drink? <laughs> Who gave whiskey to this engine?" Yes, yes, yes. And they again, hire him. It's, it's very there. There are moments of just pure John Ford going on in this movie. Yeah, well, so that's it, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. sort of like um, a horn swoggled into becoming sheriff of this of this little town. Yeah. Doc Holliday comes in. They have a, a little bit of the a Doc love Holiday relationship. Doc Holliday runs the town before yeah. him and doesn't answer to anybody. But 
Yeah. In this case, you know, Wyatt Earp forces the issue, and he, you know, they they they, they bond in but, some weird ways. But the rather way that's, weird ways. It's classic Henry Fonda, the way he forces an issue is sort of like, come on, Doc, what do you mean? You know, it's sort of yeah. like he reasons you into to like breaking down. Mm-hmm. I like that about Henry Fonda. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. he and Spencer Tracy would would gone along. Oh uh, yeah, or not? Or been, yeah. They're like, oh, you're stealing my thunder. They out reason each other. Give me my thunder. No, you come on. No, no I want my thunder back. Um, so the, the um, you know what is it? Okay, then Clementine. So so oh, uh, uh, Victor Mature as Doc Holliday has a relationship with a local woman like Chihuahua or something. I forget her name. She's as Chalupa. Her name is Chalupa. Stereotyped as as could she be. She plays a guitar. She plays without moving her hands. It always irritates me in a movie. Always irritates me. Let's see, and, and does vaguely racist songs. And this woman, maybe not so vaguely. Sometimes she's talking about the Sobrero song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. So so Clementine is is Doc Holliday's old love who's sort of been tracking him Can down. Can I say something really quick? This Please? is one thing know. I'm glad we've gotten over, yeah. which is the necessity to shoehorn songs into fucking movies. Oh, just, I was going to say the same God thing. Damn, Why just, do we shoehorn songs in the movies back then? I don't know, because I guess they needed to have well-rounded characters and maybe, I don't know. They, they Of course, they were they were playing to whatever demographic they thought they had to play to. That's yeah. just Hollywood. But uh, thank God they don't do that anymore. You know what it's worth noting, by the way? I, I don't know what version you saw, but I, I saw the one that's the, the, the typical version, which is about an hour and a half. There's mm-hmm. a about 10 extra minutes that um, the National Archives got a hold of. Oh, yeah. There's a yeah. version I the typical of, one, yeah. Yeah, me too. And yet we it included those songs. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. So, 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 so like Cle- his darling Clementine, Doc's darling Clementine, this mm-hmm. be- be- sweet little lady, um, has been following him from oh, place to place. Fish out of water from in this shithole of a town, but for why? sure. But that's the other thing. Why is she following this Dude, guy? Have you, did you see that face he's got? That fucking like, craggy, rugged it's motherfucker. It's a craggy <laughs> face. It's a leathery lounge singer's ah, face. I like Victor Mature, but come on. I'm lick that thing. With that face already. Moisturize. You know, you know it tastes like cocoa butter. Oh, for sure, for sure. And you know, I forget all the time that Doc is a doctor. Every time I see the story, or I, every time I'm like, "Oh, right, that's no. what they call him, Doc." No, that's, see, that's one of those things I find super irritating. Oh, who He's cared? Dentist. Are you gonna? Are you gonna he was a fucking dentist. He was not actually a, a doctor. Gives a shit. Doc was a nickname for gamblers, not doctors back then. Yeah, it's a. It's not a historically accurate. Is it not at all? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I, all right. Enough of my yeah. enough of my tomfoolery. We call mm-hmm. it tomfoolery, folks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, so um, anyway, so that's uh, you know he doesn't want her. He doesn't really want Chalupe, but you know he's willing to sort of use Chalupe. Chalupa, come on. Uh, oh, Chalupa. <laughs> We're really gonna find Henry that. Fonda is sort of um, the guy who's mitigating all the, the sort of circumstances between mm-hmm. them. He he wants to keep Doc on the straight and narrow. Uh, Doc will not be corralled by a woman or by Wyatt Earp. No, no, by anybody. He's a wild stallion of a man. I mean, there's a lot that that you could nitpick about this movie, mm-hmm. but one of the things is, as you say, Henry Fonda is a fucking treat number one he's great and the direction is it's great i love a good a really good black and white western i love the outlaw you didn't like it but i like i Mm -hmm. i find this film to be similar to that film okay sure absolutely yeah it's it's definitely flawed i think i like it better than i like the outlaw yeah um i would recommend it mostly because of henry fonda's presence in it he's really he's he's at his most fonda fonda yeah Yeah, um, although I would say, oh, and, and also by the way, has a lot of uh, bit players. You know, the mother who's who's in everything, uh, not the mother, but the old lady of the town who's in everything from um, All to the Night to Grapes of Wrath. I forget right. her name, but mm-hmm. she's just a staple. Now, all these sort of staple well, John characters. John Ford, you know, you just these characters again. You know, uh, John Ford just had like this group of people he dragged from movie to movie. Yeah, it was just a matter of was the star going to be Fonda or was it going to be Wayne? You know, it's interesting. I, this is 1946. I'd be curious, and I should have done some research. This is the first time it occurred. To me, 
if um, how soon after coming back from the war he did this. Was this his first film back? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know mm, not I the answer know. to this question. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's good for trivia. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, if you know, send us an email with that answer. Anyway, yeah, all right, because we're never going to remember to look it up later. That's fair. Yeah, what you're saying is very fair, sir. Wow. Yeah. It, okay. So you like this movie? Yeah, it was good. It was okay. Yeah. Of not great. Not I, my not my favorite cow. Not my favorite western. No. Not, my, not even my favorite OK Corral movie. Well, I was going to ask you about that. No, what's would, your favorite OK Corral? Well, I don't know. I mean, The Outlaws not an OK Corral movie, but it's one of those like um, you know yeah, they take liberty. They have the characters. degrees of separation yeah, type yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I like the the, uh, the one with the Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster. Yeah. I like it. I don't mm-hmm. love it. Um, I the one everyone talks about, but I feel the same way as Tombstone right. with, with Val Kilmer. Everyone raves about that, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's I you know it's I mean, the most historically accurate version of it. But I find the most I like Gunfight at OK Corral. To me, that's the most enjoyable. The fifty-seven version, yeah, yeah, with with, with Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. I, you know, frankly, it's I just fuck. don't find it that compelling a story. I really? think, and, and and it really isn't when you look when you squint. Well, also, <laughs> it really isn't. It's other, actually sad. The other thing is 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 that actual whatever the bones of the real story are might mm-hmm. also have been a rubric for so many westerns that it's a victim of itself. In other words, hmm. it sort of seems like, oh, like so many other s- scenarios where there's a shootout in the town or, or a corral or something. It's like, well, this is the original, but it's like I'm I'm kind of tired of it at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might like the outlaw the best. Really? Okay. Interesting. I, I found that movie, to, the least compelling thing about that movie was Jane um, Russell's breasts, <laughs> which were prominent, but I thought it was just such an interesting, dark little fucking movie, man. Yeah, yeah. I liked it, but-, but okay. uh, it, had some, it had some fine qualities, as I recall. Yeah, yeah and the cinematography was good in, yeah. in all of them, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not aware of, of uh, I'm sure there are others. Well, um, Shit, it makes me want to go rewatch Tombstone. It's been a long time, and I don't know that I watched it top to bottom. Uh, I think that's a movie that actually suffers a little bit too much from its attempt at accuracy. But uh, enough of that. Okay, maybe it's got it's got Kurt Russell too, right? Yeah, it's got Kurt Russell, uh, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Yeah, like really playing up the fact that he's a Southerner and all this other stuff. Anyway, so that's that. Uh, you know, another one. Uh, by the way, another uh, Henry Fonda movie. There are uh, two more um, that I would say uh, one's uh, Tin Star in '57 with mm. Anthony Perkins. Don't know it, and that's a great one. But one I forgot to mention was 1956, and it's the only one I've seen. Now, I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in the West, mm-hmm. which you've raved about, and I need to see it. It's the only one I've seen that does not follow the sort of reflective, fair-minded, Atticus Finchy Fonda. Really? And it's called The Wrong Man. It's Hitchcock's The Wrong Man. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah, that's a dark one. And he's, he's, so, he's so sort of terrified by his situation that oh. he's not very stable. He knuckles under. He knuckles under. <laughs> oh, no. It's really awesome. good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be great to watch. Okay, Ooh, so okay. now let's move forward, move forward to a movie I remembered really disliking, and it's such a treat to not oh really not dislike it anymore. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, although I have there are some I some <laughs> there's some flaws. There's definitely flaws in this movie. Yeah, it's um, 1955's Mister Roberts, Roberts with uh, again directed by John Ford. Ish. A lot of the same cast. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. Mm-hmm. My friend. Yeah. He was uh, had to abandon it halfway through. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the re- official reason at the time given was gallbladder. Okay. The actual reason mm. was that he wasn't getting along with people. And here's how that went. Um, Cagney, in his book Cagney on Cagney, which we'll be using in a future episode about James Cagney. Cagney. Cagney said, now this is near the end of Cagney's uh, you know, yep. um, career. 
Yeah, this is that point where like it's the Edward G. Robinson moment where they where they realize it's time to start taking good supporting roles. Well, um, yeah, and it's this is a film that has a lot of uh, you know has a lot of people who are at the ass end of their career. Yeah, it's you know Ward Bond. It's mm-hmm. also notably William Powell. It's yeah, William Powell's last movie. Good William Powell too. Same thing. Um, Cagney said when when uh, he first met um, John Ford, he mm-hmm. he thought and still thinks that he's the meanest man he's ever met. Really. He just fucking hated his I guts. I can believe that because some of the stories of, the, of like sort of like particularly like the cruelties he inflicted on John Wayne over the years. I mm-hmm. kind of like I, I've kind of gotten that before, but that's interesting to hear Cagney say that. Okay, and Henry Fonda, mm-hmm. who had worked with Ford a few times, yeah. um, and had also been playing Mister Roberts on stage for a couple of years at this point. Oh wow, okay. Um, you know, had some ideas about how Mister Roberts should be played, and Ford disagreed entirely, mm. and they kept fighting. And so then Ford said, "Let's have a meeting." Let's all calm down and let's have a meeting right. and let's talk it out. Uh-huh. And Henry Fonda showed up and they had a meeting that ended with John Ford sucker punching him in the jaw. <laughs> really? And then he quit. Wow. And so the um, direction was given to Mervyn Leroy, ah, okay. who, who basically um, said he looked at all the previous rushes that John Ford had done and said, I will simply direct it exactly like informed by those rushes uh-huh. in the style I think John Ford would have directed it. Okay. But also... Um, well, sort I was going to say he did a pretty good job in that in that respect. Uh, well, co-directed now. So Ford leaves, Mervyn Leroy takes <laughs> over, and then he has as his, like, not officially like assistant director, but Stanley like Cooper. assisting him as a director is Joshua Logan, who was the director of the stage play. Oh, okay. Which is why interesting. I think you have a movie that's seventy-five percent good uh-huh. and has goofy as fuck shit in between oh. that definitely I could see would have worked on stage. Oh yes, yes. But did not work in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, I just have that sort like of framework the to give of you. Sailors almost comes immediately yes. to mind. <laughs> like we were pigs, but yeah, well, not, we were quite that simplistically. So you know, not to, not to sort of move ahead here because we should go back and sort of give some chronology here. But mm-hmm. but um, the thing that really cemented this for me was um the first time the palm tree is thrown over and they realize it and all the sailors start um, sort of bowing yes. to it. And I could see on stage that would have been this great moment for the uh-huh. audience and mm-hmm. it was just shit in right. the film. There were just a few moments like that. Right. Oh, man. I, it's okay. No, I, I'm... Okay, so help me out here. I'm categorizing this as... There, there were, there are like a number of movies that are attached to the end of just about every major conflict or sometimes in the middle of it sometimes. Uh-huh. There's a movie that comes out that is kind of satirical towards it and but in this case at the same time it's also it's like you could tell it's after the war all right it's it's significantly after the war and there's also a bunch of nostalgia being played to by the same thing so in the same way like mash would be one of those movies that was satirical about the korean war yeah, I think so. I mean, it Catch was... Catch 22, those kinds of things. It was close enough to the it was like end a of com- that war. This is like a comedy Kane Mutiny in a sense. It is reminding me a lot of, of the Kane Mutiny and the, the Mamie Stover uh, movie for some reason with Jane Russell. But mm-hmm. but um, it it uh, it has... Um, I mean, there were there were military brass uh, upset at the Cagney role, for instance. Oh, of course, yeah. Absolutely. Because he was such a flaming asshole. He's <laughs> such, a, such he's, a prick. He's an, <laughs> an unrelenting prick, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, for, for no really good reason that they—that's one of the things. Old Hollywood didn't bother always giving you the giving you the origin story of their fucking villains, which God bless them for that. There, uh, yeah, and then there's some things that I, I wonder if it's like um, it's actually more intentional than I thought. I, there's a film called the the Celluloid Closet. Mm-hmm. It's a documentary, and it's about basically gay Gage, Hollywood, right? Yeah. 
Uh, but, but Gollywood. Gore Vidal um, is in <laughs> was there. Not, was not in a closet. At one point. And, and he did some work on uh, Ben-Hur. Mm-hmm. He did some sort of uncredited screenwriting. Oil those men. Well, that's exactly kind mm-hmm. of it. He did these these things, and he had Charlton Heston and, and someone else doing some, like, clearly... Clearly gay signaling, but in a way that they would not have recognized as like basically homophobic <laughs> men. And Gore Vidal had a great time with it. They're oiling each other up and sort of wrestling uh, around nice, and stuff. Right. And he was like, This was great. I had him like ferrying it up. It was brilliant. You fished up his ass. He didn't even know. It was amazing. He lost a wristwatch. So there's there are parts of this movie that are like um very sort of village people, this movie. Uh, the sailors are not just like, of course they take their shirts off because it's hot, but it's like, it's weird. Like mm. like Henry Fonda's wrestling around with these shirtless sailors. And then at one point, you know, there's this whole thing, which we'll get into in a minute, about the binoculars and the and the telescope. Yeah. And, and, and looking at these... Well, yeah. I mean, also, there's a whole fucking. It's a. It's not a like little crazy rapey. cartoonish wolf whistling. But going on. but at one point, this really cracked me Oof. up. Um, the the jig is up, and these guys, these these sailors are not going to be able to like basically peep into the nurses' quarters across mm-hmm. the island with with their um, binoculars and telescope. And the one guy with the telescope holds it clearly from his crotch. Yeah. and says. I was just getting used to using this thing. <laughs> it's like, ah, it's so So maybe it's more brilliant than I, I give it credit uh, Maybe, for. maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's, oh, uh, yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. It's Okay, so what about Jack Lemmon in this movie? Jack Lemmon is in this movie. It's a baby Jack Lemmon. <laughs> it got an Academy Award for it, too. Fuck, that's so weird. Did he get it for this one? Because he did a remake of it just called Ensign Pulver. No, no, that's, he wasn't in that. He wasn't. No, really? no. Oh, that's not that. That's not enough, to, not enough to hang a hat on okay. that character. I mean, the thing is that, I mean, he's probably, to me, the weakest character. Not Jack uh, Lemon, yeah. the actor, because no. he does what he can with it. And sometimes he's actually kind of funny. Yeah. But it is just such, I it's mean, a, it's, it's, a, it's a weird, it's, a, it's, a, he's almost like a meta commentary on what people thought was funny back then. Well, also, it's like, you know, I don't whistle this song the whole time. During the 40s, you'd have these movies, and they were almost always like either army or navy. Mo- well, I guess that would Military. be it. Well, but I'm just, I, I'm discounting. I never saw any Marines do this, right? But it's like, you'd have like the, the yokel kid who, like, golly, I don't know. And it's like, that's the kid that's going to fucking eat it, right? He's yeah. going to get, he's going to get his brains but it's sort of like they took that mentality and just sort of toyed around with like a a fucking um sctv skit or something it's <laughs> it's sort of like they're they're like um putzing around just doing like crazy almost like musical numbers without the musical yep. stuff and it's sort of like we're here and it's like oh the, the captain sees us and i mean i can't even describe how silly it is at yeah. times it's just absolutely silly and 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 the problem with with ensign pulver jack jack lemon's character is just that it's like i like the idea that there's a character there mm-hmm. who's likable but someone like the great Henry Fonda, Mr. Roberts is going to set him straight. Like, like I love you, dude, but you are also so <laughs> flawed terrible. and you have to get your shit together. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like, great, I love that there's that dynamic. But fucking Ensign Pulver, Jack he's, Lemmon is like, I'm building a firecracker. And, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, one, first off, he's impervious to the good advice. He's pretty much impervious to it. Secondarily, yeah, he's, he's wacky. Yeah, he just ends up being wacky more more often than not. Although there is that one line I remembered it coming up, and it made me actually laugh out loud. Where he he's he's threatened to collect marbles and put him above <laughs> the captain's sort of you know sleeping quarters right. and drive him crazy with marbles, and he never follows through with it. And Henry Fonda calls him out, so he pulls out. He's got five marbles, <laughs> in in a yeah. and, and he has the line. 
I'm looking for marbles all the day t- long. <laughs> I mean, they're just little gems in there, so even yeah. that's kind of forgivable. Yeah. Um, okay, ahead, so please. acting in general, man, I think Powell is great. Ward William Bond Powell. does a good job. I William mean, Powell's, Ward Bond is always going to do a good job. And so is William Powell is an amazing old-time actor. I mean, William Powell's doing it in his sleep, but he's that good that he could sort of do it in oh, his yeah, sleep. He's still fucking Nora. He's still Nora, uh, uh, Nick Charles. Yeah, well, he always will be, and he's basically like kind of a, he was a he was a Nick Charles in this movie too. A bit, yeah, yeah. You just got you get a lot of knowledge about alcohol. About uh, six years later, um, James Cagney made what he thought was going to be his final film. He ended up making one in the eighties, just before he died, called Ragtime. Oof. But um, no, I thought it was pretty good. You I seen Ragtime? Actually, I don't remember that. He had a minor role, but but anyway, he made this movie called One Two Three about um, uh, being a Coca Cola executive I've in never East seen Berlin. That. I've heard it's really good. Actually. I liked it, but okay. but he the reason he gave up was because he felt um, that. He just couldn't remember his lines. He was putting everyone through a lot of like uh, oh. extra work, and he was like, "This is humiliating. I'm not. I'm not the actor Whoa, I used Jesus, to be." What a, that's like strangely gentlemanly. Uh, and definitely. And William Powell apparently did the same thing. He had a lot of problems remembering uh, his lines in this mm-hmm. movie, and said, "That's that's it. You know, I've done what I had to do here." Got it. But he's great. He's great as as Doc. You know, mm-hmm. the the classic sort of wise, cracking old, lovable doctor on board. Mm-hmm. Um, Cagney. Cagney's fought a piece of shit. He is. <laughs> He's just, awesome. Just a relentless movie. asshole. Just well, relentless. But that's kind of what I appreciated about this movie. Maybe it's just watching it being an older person. I appreciated some things I didn't when I saw it in my 20s. And that's like Cagney's explanation for why he's such a piece of shit mm-hmm. actually makes total sense to me, which yeah. is that it's like, you know, you he, cocksuckers laughed at me. My yeah, in, in a very, in a very Boston. A accent. way I can totally understand too. Like you know, I was a kid. Uh, I had to, oh, you know, the rich kids would have me clean up my shit all the time. Yep. And, and then when I was in the Navy, I'd have to bow, you know, at the ankles to all these people. And it's like, I, I'm finally getting appreciated. I'm captain of a ship. Mm-hmm. I can be, I, I don't know what the position he is, his hat that he's, he's, he, uh, it's like an upper division captain he's going for. Like the, oh, yeah. Well, he wants to be, I think he's a commander, a lieutenant commander. He wants to be full commander. Okay, full commander. So, or so, full captain. So, but what he realizes is that this cargo ship, mm-hmm. which is kind of one of the, the it's like an old Liberty ship from like the, from World War II. Too. Well, he makes mention of having been in the Merchant Marines before, yeah, and I yeah. think that is a common thing that the Merchant Marines, for, by during people, wartime, Merchant Marines becomes part of the Navy. But they're but they're not. But what I'm getting is they're the fifth branch of the of the military, and they're uh-huh. not they're not considered by many people to be like one of the yeah, four yeah, serious. Yeah. Right? But right. they have this role of like of mm-hmm. like delivering Hugely huge, important, yeah. yeah. So, but the point is, like you know, even that is sort of like that's been his past, and now he's he's got a full role, and and it's like, but it all depends on having this great great. Second in command, mm-hmm. Henry Fonda, who's 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 gotten Mr. Cagney. Roberts is is an ass buster. Like and, he's a guy who does things right for the sake of doing things right. And he's and, and Cagney's basically saying, like, look, your being good at what you've done has gotten me the recognition I finally want to, and you think I'm letting you go. Fuck that. Go goodness. fuck yourself. And, and Mr. Roberts wants desperately to get in the action. He wants the heroism of having served in a in a military capacity during World War II, and yeah. he's stuck on he's stuck on this freighter, basically. You know, it's one of the parts of the film that I have the least least um amount of sympathy for oh, yeah of course i mean i'm not saying i i just don't relate to it i guess is what mm-hmm. i'm saying so mm-hmm. it, it, like so henry fonda is this really sort of thoughtful character but yeah. it seems so 
not thoughtful. He barely is a part of the film where VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, is announced. And he gets bummed. He's kind of bummed. He's bummed because he didn't. You know, how about I, fuck you? Yeah. <laughs> how, about fuck, how about millions of people might not have to die the rest of this year? There is a little bit of that. How about that? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But, no, I I'm with you on that. It is a little bit hard at this point to be sympathetic. I think you know closer to World War II. Yeah. As I said, this this movie plays on the nostalgia of World War II hugely. I can only imagine the play did too. The, yeah. You know, it, with, without that without that proximity to World War too it, it it makes less sense as we go along particularly since you know in our time we're much more cynical about about military service anyways yeah than well they were the other thing is like um i think about something like i mean they couldn't have done this but i think about something like band of brothers right you've seen band yeah. of brothers oh yeah band of brothers one of the great things it does is um it talks about the horrors of war mm-hmm without judging the people involved in the horrors of war unfairly. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that, that, that I remember from Band of Brothers is that um, as, as the, the European theater portion of the war is winding down and these men have gone through all this sort of horror in their life, um, they're, put, they're in situations where they're not all suddenly bored. Yeah. And what happens is they cause mayhem yeah. in, in people's lives. They mm-hmm. break, you know, break windows and steal things and, and all this sort of stuff. And it, it sort of presents it in this way, like, yep, that's kind of the, the whole bundle here. Mm-hmm. What I, you know, from this distance, what I don't like about about Mr. Rod, Roberts is these guys are just raping people <laughs> and and like burning buildings down, yeah. and and everyone's sort of like these fellows. These they this really is- were overdue for some liberty, weren't they? Well, okay, so so we come to like really basically the central crux of the movie here, yeah. which is that they, the the crew hasn't had any kind of liberty for like a long, it's been a year. long period of time, right? Uh, and the captain is a toolbox and, and refuses to give them any kind of liberty. They're mm-hmm. they're stuck at this one station. Yeah. So Mr. Roberts gets uh, gets a little sly and he gets them sent to basically a famous like a like a liberty station essentially but the premise of that is that he has wanted to get off the ship and into the action for a long time so he's weekly writing letters yes which 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 the shitty cagney captain has to forward but always forwards with like a thumbs down like i don't approve of this even though i have to forward it meaning that that mr roberts will never really get off the ship right and and also at the same time a lot a lot of his actions are basically just to fuck you to the captain he's trying he's basically trying to get nailed for insubordination so that the captain will so that he might get transferred at that point. But he also, the captain will be sufficiently pissed to try to get rid of him, and he never quite does it. But he's also the father figure to all these young sailors, oh, right? Yeah. And it's like father it's figure... weirdly so, frankly. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Elmeroticism really slides all the way across the deck on this thing. It reminds me a little more of that coach from Penn State, but, but uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Sandusky <laughs> reference Paterno. all. Oh, Sand- yeah. So... so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a little, there's a little weirdness there too. But it, but it's like you know, he's willing to do anything for these guys. He's he's what the captain should be. What, well, okay, what one assumes a captain should be. Right? Okay, fair yeah, enough. Absolutely. Right. And so, he, believe me, the captains <laughs> in the navy uh, are they very wildly, yeah. fucking wildly. Anyways, go on. Yeah. Well, so so basically, that's that's the the rub here, right? That's the conflict is that he's going to have to either find a way off the ship and sort of like let everyone else hang in the wind right. or he's going to have to sort of be able to get them the freedom they need yeah. even if it's one liberty, the liberty and give his own freedom up right. and right. he ends up giving his own freedom up in, in order, order to, to get, right and then of course and then of course he's you know he's uh, martyred by that same thing everyone thinks he's turned out like the crew thinks he's turned against them and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff but in the meantime yeah let's back up and <laughs> where you were talking about yeah. yeah these maniacs basically burned a fucking island down they didn't just like get drunk and NPC 
said to bring him back. That is forgivable, I think. Yeah. But it's like there's a couple of lines like, oh, yeah, he went. They, I they, held him down and raped him anally. No, no that, but there is was... one, honestly, where it's like, ah, they, uh. gave, they gave her a black eye and she ran into the, into the <laughs> night without a skirt. And people that sort of spark, oh, oh, oh. it's like, no, that's, that's horrible uh, rape you're talking fellows. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely from another time period. But back when it was fine to rape, <laughs> back when raping was was okay. Yeah, it was okay to punch a lady if she deserved it. The price yeah. for freedom. Freedom. These colors don't run. Oh, so, <laughs> out of her mascara black eye. Oh my gosh. Yeah, little. But I think that honestly, I think that's true of almost any Ford movie. Ford movies are fun and interesting and well directed, and there's always mm. a moment or two that's going to be super embarrassing. Yeah, I mean it is. It does have He's a, a lot product of, that. of his time, and he, he embraces. I might be giving things. this movie too much credit too, but the the distance from when I first saw it in my twenties and just mm. thought it was ugh, to now, yeah. I actually really appreciate what's going on and the conversation that's happening happens about like real sacrifice. And well, <laughs> let me clarify. I don't mean to say that soldiers don't actually sacrifice, of course, but that's the sort of the known obvious sacrifice when you make a war movie. But the interpersonal mm-hmm. sacrifice that people make in order to sort of like make things work for young men who are trying to sort of you uh, know yeah. put in a, a difficult situation. And mm-hmm. you know, what he has to sacrifice is, is the things he sees himself doing in life. Right. And you know, for for the moment for these guys, and I like that. I have to say, uh, I uh, the funniest moment in this entire movie to mm-hmm. me was when after they got that first night of liberty, the officer who comes and tells them that they can no longer have liberty on this mm-hmm. island. Mm-hmm. That guy was funny as shit to me. Terrible. Oh, what are you talking about? He was hilarious. But I mean, it, it was over the top. Oh, like, it was completely Alabama. Was, yeah, just a complete over the top hick situation. They, they they um they brought they brought him to a house of um I don't know how to say back in Alabama we would call it. Oh, he was my, my. he was like he made me laugh out loud. You've it's heard still of, overall a pretty funny movie, but that was for me the funniest moment. You've of heard of double penetration, Mister mm, Roberts? Mm. Spit roasted that woman. Yeah, it was, it was a palm tree. Awesome. Anyways, so yeah. I had to say that. Yeah. So I mean, look, I, I guess I would say I enjoyed Mister Roberts. Probably more than My Darling Clementine, mm-hmm. although I think officially My Darling Clementine is a better movie, although you might disagree because of Victor Mature. No, well, here's the Very thing. Very unmature about, of you. Here, here's the thing about this uh, about this movie. Uh, it's um, it, it has like the hallmarks of, well, it was a great play, and it ran for a long time, and then mm-hmm. they made it into a movie, which always makes a mo- which gives a movie like the essence of being somehow important. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's mm-hmm. that's one of sure. the criterion we bring to movies when we yeah. go, oh, that's going to be an important oh, movie. Yeah. This movie is not <laughs> an important movie. This is not a great movie at all. I think it was again, it was a time and place thing. It I does think have it sentiment really... when that when the thing that mm-hmm. the big thing happens at the end. I was found myself because I read the novella too after seeing the movie oh, in my twenties, and okay. I remember feeling more like, whoa, this is much better than the movie, right? Okay. Um, and I had the same sort of reaction now that I did to the novella mm-hmm. seeing again as I was kind of saddened by the whole thing because you wish there were people like that. Yeah. Yeah. More, you know, like Mr. Roberts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it's no, okay. I would agree with you. I think My Darling Clementine is technically a better movie. This yeah. is just not a great movie, mm-hmm. but it's enjoyable as fuck. It's yeah. got that quality going on. It's, it's a definitely a more enjoyable movie, I think. Yeah. Uh, and in that sense, it's definitely got my endorsement. Go check out Mr. Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. And William Powell. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Tommy, do you have anything you'd like to talk about? Yeah, come check me out at TomSmithComedy.com. Try to keep those listings up to date. Uh, join us also. Uh, we uh, have a Patreon page. Come on and join us on there and uh, become a patron. And then you will have access to our uh, Finley's on Film private reserve. 
rate and review us. Here it does. Smooth jazz in there. <laughs> rate and review us on iTunes. You can send us some emails. We have a bunch of emails we need to read at some point. Oh, dude, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Finley's on film at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Stop. Always. Please stop. Don't do any more episodes. Things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, last week, last week's episode, or our last episode on Betty Davis. Yeah, I just, I'm so humiliated. Oh, no. We could not remember the name of that director. And you know what? I wrote it down, and now I can't remember again. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Arpini, Robert A R something. Yeah, fine. All right, Tommy. Ah, what, are you, what are you gonna do? Ah, I don't know. What are you gonna do? All right, thanks, guys. Puppy bowl. <laughs>